Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wilshire Church of Christ. We are glad that you are here. What were you doing at 3 a.m. this morning? I hope you were sleeping. At 3 a.m. this morning, roughly, Christians in Ukraine were taking the Lord's Supper. And so were Christians in Poland and Moldova and Slovakia and Latvia and Estonia and Lithuania and Finland. I list those countries because in addition to Ukraine, those are all countries that are on Putin's list. Putin has been very open with what his desires are. He wants to recreate, as far as he's allowed to, the territorial claims of the former Soviet Union. He's not a communist. He's, uh, I guess, what we would call a fascist. But that's what he wants. What does Satan want? Well, I can't imagine Satan is a big fan of people being allowed to vote freely and choose their leader. I can't imagine that Satan likes freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, freedom to protest. So he's pretty happy when governments arise that curtail and shut off those things like Putin's. So this conflict may go on for a while. I don't know how long. Ukraine will hold out, not that long, I'm afraid. And Putin is betting that Americans and Germans and the British and the French and the Japanese will end up caring more about higher gas prices than we will about what happens to these countries. I hope that's not true. I want to remind you of something else. At 3 o'clock this morning, Christians met in St. Petersburg, Russia, and in Moscow, Russia, and in many other cities across Russia, and they took the Lord's Supper too. And I'll tell you one thing I know for sure Satan wants out of this conflict and every other conflict. The Russians have bad leadership right now, really really evil, bad leadership. Satan would like you to move from knowing that fact to hating Russians, to hating your brothers and sisters. That's what Satan would, that would be a win for him. Many Russians, I'm sure, support this push into Ukraine, but I know many, many, many who do not. And whether they are misled into supporting this or not, that should not change what you and I believe, because we believe Jesus Christ, and we believe him when he said, it's easy to hate your enemies and love your friends. That's what everybody does. I tell you, love your enemies. And so, brothers and sisters, whatever happens in this situation, 
We have our marching orders from our King Jesus. And we will love. And we will continue to love. Let's begin with a prayer this morning. Dear God, we thank you that you are the king of the world. We are outraged and afraid by this invasion of Ukraine. It certainly looks like Russia has the power to be successful. We pray that the nations of the world will hold their resolve to punish Russia and make it too costly for this kind of aggression to continue. We pray, Lord, you'll strengthen resolve of our leaders and that you'll bring wisdom into the leadership of Russia so that this will not continue. And God, we also pray for this, that you will not let the poison of hate for the Russian people lodge in our hearts. God, we pray that you will teach us to love even those we're in conflict with. God, this is our prayer, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So if you have your Bibles, let's open them up, should we? Open up to 1 John, 1 John, the first chapter, and that's where we're going to look today. It's the same chapter we were in last week. We're going to just be working our way through John's letters, and in 1 John... Chapter 1, starting in verse 5, John makes this claim. And then what follows kind of uh, is, is derived from this claim that John makes about who God is. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. We talked a little bit about this in relation to the concept of revelation, the concept of God revealing himself through Jesus Christ and through his word. That's what we were talking about last week. God is light. All truth is God's truth. Whenever we are in the realm of truth, wherever you can find truth, you should hold on to it because that's God's truth. And all lies of whatever type put us into the darkness away from God's light. They just do. All lies, all deceptions have that tendency to cut, off, cut us off from God's light and to move us away from him. Whenever we're engaged in deceit, we are in the devil's playground, you know? And I understand. People talk to themselves. And say, you know, other people get tripped up by lies. I'm smart enough to manage it. I think the devil just grins when people say that. How long have human beings been telling themselves that? You've got to lie to yourself first before you lie to other people. 
Well, the other side's telling lies. If we don't tell counter lies, they're going to win. I think the devil just laughs when human beings say stuff like that. Whenever we tell lies, we are in the devil's backyard, folks. We are playing with how many people have been dragged away from God because they thought they could get away with lying. How many? God is light. And we don't deserve to be in his light, but because of Jesus Christ, we are allowed to walk in his light. Now I'm going to share a memory with you that I couldn't have been more than five or six years old. This memory is from my grandmother's house when my grandparents were living in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and they moved to Little Rock pretty soon, so I had to have been five or six, this memory. And my grandmother had a device in her backyard that just fascinated me. I always loved moving objects, you know, so this just fascinated me. And you, you're going to know what this is, but honestly, I did not know what it is. It was a, it was a big metal pole, and that it had big poles radiating out from it, four of them. And then there were wires strung from all those poles. And it rotated. That was my favorite. I, I wasn't tall enough to reach the bars, or that would have been my playground. But I could, rot- I could spin it. I could grab the pole, and I could make it rotate. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I just saw the bare thing first, and then eventually... I saw my grandmother and and my mother, too, go out there and take wet laundry and and hang it up there on this thing and then rotate it and hang it on the next set of lines and then rotate it and do that. It was cool. We had, like, horizontal lines in my backyard when I was growing up. So I thought that was just the coolest device ever. And I remember, I, I actually don't remember if it was my grandmother or my mom, but one of them said, yeah. It gets them dry, it gets the clothes dry, but the sun also, you know, hitting it, that helps them be clean. That makes them be clean. It's interesting. I, um, I stumbled across this article when I was prepping for the sermon this week. In 2018, the University of Oregon did a study to kind of test what my grandmother and my mom were claiming, I think, that sunlight has cleansing properties. They actually built little half-sized rooms, uh, and they exposed them to different kinds of light. They exposed them to regular incandescent light, they exposed them to sunlight, and then they exposed them to UV rays. They kept them, you know, air-conditioned, so the heat stayed constant, and they did that over a period of, I think, 90 days or whatever. They, They published this in 2018 in Microbiome. And it turns out (laughs) their study proved what my grandmother knew already. In fact, that was the title, uh, the subtitle of their article. Your grandmother was right. (laughs) Sunlight kills germs. It kills bacteria. They actually showed an absolute correlation between sunlight and UVs were almost as good. UV lights were almost as good in reducing viable bacteria 
that could be collected from those different environments as opposed to regular light or darkness. Disease, germs, thrive in darkness. That's the takeaway I got from this. God says, you come and walk in the light so you can be clean, so the disease can be killed in you, so you can be healthy, so you can feel better. That's what the light is. I know there's a strand of preaching that kind of believes that Christians won't do anything unless we threaten you that you're going to go to hell if you don't. I don't think that's what John is doing here. I don't think he's saying that this is a heaven or hell issue. I think he's kind of saying the opposite of that. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, God is pulling you into heaven. You're going to have to really work hard to miss heaven because of Jesus Christ. It's not that you can't, but you're going to have to really work against God. <laughs> because God, because of Jesus Christ, is saving you and washing you clean with Christ's blood. But you can choose whether or not and how much you walk in God's light. And the first way that John talks about that is this issue that I want to focus on today, confession of sins. If we claim, verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Part of walking in God's light, part of living a clean healthy life that can make us feel good in God's presence is this willingness to say out loud to God what it is that we've done wrong, this, this confession principle. So I want to spend a, just a bit of time this morning talking to you about this confession principle. Psalms 32 one of the most famous penitential psalms. There are a lot of penitential psalms. We're going to look at the two most famous ones, Psalms 32 and Psalms 51 this morning. Psalms 32, down in verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. What's it like to be in denial about sin? John says, if you, did, if you say you're not sinning, you are lying, you are denying, and the word isn't even in you. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For night and day, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. 
surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. If we deny our sins, we deceive ourselves. We lie to ourselves. That's what John has claimed, and, and that's what the psalmist, you know, a thousand years before perhaps, had already said. If this is a psalm of David. When I tried to push my sins out of my mind, when I tried to pretend like they weren't real or not a big deal, this is the way I was feeling. Not healthy, not happy, not able to enjoy God and his light. I was groaning. I was miserable. I was depressed. I was weak. And the only relief I found was when I finally admitted what was wrong with me. I acknowledged my sin, and I was forgiven. That's a beautiful picture, and it is a real picture. This is painting real spiritual reality, which can make all the difference in your life, church. It really can. Every time you and I deny our sins, and man, we all do this. It's just so easy to do it. It's so easy to start doing it. Whenever we deny sins, we are stepping out into the darkness away from God's light. We're saying, you know, I know over there is where health and healing and good feelings are, but I don't want to be there right now because I don't want to face this issue. Sometimes we just do it by just kind of consciously being unconscious, you know? It's just kind of a contradiction in terms, but we all can manage it, sort of. Just consciously keep ourselves unconscious of, of some part of our life. Sometimes we do it by excusing ourselves. Well, it's not a really a big deal. I mean, this is, this is not actually perhaps as bad as people say it is. Sometimes we do it by comparing ourselves to other people rather than comparing ourselves to the word of God. That's, a, that's an old-fashioned trick. You know, well, <laughs> I'm way better than this tax collector, I tell you right now. Uh, you may be a tax collector, so no offense. I was referring to Jesus' parable. I, 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 I'm way better than most people. So, you know, think of all the good things I do. That's another trick we use to deny our sins. Think of all the times I go to church and think of all the times I, I help people and think of, God should lim give me a pass on this one. You're lying. First John says you're lying and you're running away from walking in the light. And you're going to groan and your strength is going to be sapped and you're going to be depressed. Psalms 32 told you that. 3,000 years ago. The only way out of this mess is regular, repeated, specific honesty with God about what you're struggling with. God knows you're not going to be perfect. That's why Jesus came, is because we aren't perfect. 
The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. But here's what God knows will make you feel better. is regular, specific, detailed acknowledgement of the areas in your life where you are falling short. I'm not kidding. This is the confession principle, and it can make you feel much better than you feel. Look over at Psalms 51. This is the other most famous penitential psalm in the book of Psalms. Psalms 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. If you want to start today, if you haven't been very faithful about confession, if your form of confession has been, and God, please forgive me of all my sins, if that's been your main way of confessing sin, then here's a way to make that better. Take this psalm, Psalm 51, been in the Bible a long time. You've read it many times. Take this psalm, get on your knees with your Bible open, and you pray the first three verses of this psalm. Just pray it out loud to God. Get some privacy. You're going to need some privacy. And pray this out loud to God. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. And stop right there and list them. Well, I don't need to list them. God knows what they are. You need to list them. You need to be specific about what it is that you have fallen short in. You're not going to be able to list them all. That isn't even the point. You know the ones that are messing you up the most. You know the ones that you're bothered by the most. You know the ones that you're spending the most energy trying to deny in your life. Those are the very ones that God wants you to talk about with him. I'm not kidding, church. So right there, after verse 3, say, and here they are, Lord. This is what happened yesterday. This is what happened today. This is specifically what took place. And I know I told you I wasn't going to do that anymore. And I know I told you I thought I was getting better at it. And I know you've already forgiven me for that like two million times. And here's what I did. It doesn't depend on you conquering that sin. According to all three of these passages we're looking at this morning, it doesn't depend on you conquering that sin. It depends on you confessing that sin. You need to say to God, what is wrong with you? Because that puts you in the light. This is not a works righteousness situation. 
God is not up there saying, did they confess that one? Check. Did they confess that one? Check. Did they confess that one? Check. Ah, there's that sin from when they were 18. They never said anything to me about that. Got them. God is not doing that. God wants you to come to him, to be with him. God wants you bathing in his glorious, cleansing, healing light. And every time you're in denial about sin, you are denying yourself of that cleansing, healing light of God. And so confession, specific, detailed, and regular confession needs to be as much a part of your life as prayer is as coming to worship is, as reading your Bible is, anything else you do for God. Confessing to God is key. I'm going to tell you, I think you should be doing this every single day. But you can't let weeks go by without ever being specific with God about what's going on in your life and what you're struggling with. You can't. Because you're, you're cutting yourself off from what you could be enjoying. And you're, and, you're, and you're staying away from what you should be drawing near to. The glorious light of God. Church, please listen. Please hear. This is where power is. This is where strength is. This is where your life will look better one year from now than it looks right now as you begin to do what 1 John says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Church, God wants you so badly to be with him forever in heaven. He wants you to get out of your own way and let him save you. It may be right now you're thinking about stuff that is messing you up, and, and you may need to make a change right now. You may just do that sitting where you are. Or you may want to come forward and ask for help right now, publicly, so that the prayers of the church can help give you strength. In a minute, you're going to have an opportunity. We're going to stand up. We're going to sing. You can come down the aisle and ask for help. Or today might be the day that you say, I need to be baptized. I need to be washed from all my sins. I need to be able to claim the name of Jesus Christ and to pray fully in his name. That's what I want. If you want either of those things, anything else we can do for you, why don't you come forward as we stand and are led in song?